Hello and good evening, or <laughs> good whatever time of the day it is. Uh, a lot of people tune in to Sunshine USA early in the morning, maybe in the wee hours of the morning. Some of you listen late at night, some of you listen in the daytime, some of you listen at nighttime. But whenever you're listening, I want to welcome you to Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and some of the other platforms that we minister on. Uh, Sunshine USA is a program dedicated to, number one, reaching lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and number two, teaching the word of God to God's people. Amen. Well, let's uh, read on in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We have now covered at least the highlights of the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians. And so tonight in our study, we're ready to go on to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Now, one of the things we're going to notice in the chapter tonight, we're going to notice that Paul does not mince words. He tells it like it is. You know, he was definitely not like some of the TV preachers are today. You know, some of the TV preachers today want you to feel like uh, you're okay. Uh, you're doing great, you know, it doesn't matter how you're living as long as you at least believe in God. But Paul says, no, I'm not going to preach that way because that's not true. When you're doing badly, I'm going to let you know. So that's just the way it is. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Paul says, brothers... I want to stop there and comment on that one word, brothers. And I do that because it's important. You need to realize here, Paul is addressing his brothers in Christ there at the church of Corinth. He considers them brothers in Christ. He's not accusing them of being unsaved or pagan or heathen. But he's not being totally complimentary of them either. He says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. So, in other words, here Paul is probably referring to a previous time when he had visited the church at Corinth. He said, as infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not yet ready for solid food, and in fact, you are still not ready. For you are still worldly. Now, any evangelist coming to town wants to know something about the crowd that he's talking to. Amen? Amen. And the reason he wants to know that is because it's going to help him bring messages that are the kind of messages that the people need to hear. And here Paul says, when I was with you last time, you were spiritual babes. And guess what? <laughs> Unfortunately, you're still spiritual babes. And so I had to feed you baby food. Now, I'm not talking about literal baby food. I'm talking here about spiritual baby food. Because that's all you can handle. Now, if you're an evangelist and you're coming to town and you read that the church that you're going to is a church that has a heavy percentage of new Christians in it, you're going to know that you can't preach too much on the deep doctrines of God. 
because the deep doctrines of God is not something these people are going to understand. They're going to understand only the most simple stuff that you have to say. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, let's read on. For since there is jealousy and dissension among you, are you not worldly? Are you not walking in the way of man? For one says, for when one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Who then is Apollos? Who, and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each his role. I planted the seed, and Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So, you see, Paul is trying to get these brothers and sisters in Christ at Corinth to understand that they don't need to identify with one servant of God or another. Because both have important roles to play. No doubt Paul planted a lot of seed and Paulus planted a lot of seed. Paul did a lot of watering. Apollos did a lot of watering. You know? Um, if I were to preach in your church and someone gets saved, there's a pretty good chance that I'm not the only one in the eyes of God that gets credit for that person getting saved. It might also be that other people in that congregation over the recent months and years has been trying to reach that person with the gospel of Christ. And it just so happened that on the occasion that I preached in your church, maybe they got saved. In other words, God gave the increase while I was preaching. But the understanding is that many others witnessed to this person over a period of time, all before I even arrived on the scene. Amen? Amen. And so we need to understand that we preachers have a role to play, but we're not God. And not only are we not God, we're not super Christians. Most any preacher would tell you, if you look at their life hard enough and long enough, you're probably going to find something there that ought not be there. We're not proud of it. That's just the way it is. You see, when I got saved in the month of November 1969, I got saved, but my sin nature was not eradicated. My sin nature was not destroyed. I have to still continue to do battle with my old sin nature. And that's going to be true until the day I die. And the same is true for you. You have to do battle daily with your old sin nature. And that's the point that Paul is trying to get his brothers and sisters in Christ there at to realize. He says, so neither he who plants nor he that waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. 
he plants and he who waters are one in purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. In other words, we have to understand that when someone gets saved, it's not usually the result of one person. It's usually the result of several people working together. Now, let's say I did a, a crusade for Christ in a town like Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Now, I mentioned Hattiesburg, Mississippi because I'm familiar with Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I went to college there on a couple of occasions, and I, I happen to know the people there very well. And in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I go there to hold a crusade, and we'll say several people get saved. Now, ultimately, it is God who saved them, not me. But even though they get saved at one of my sermons, the thing is, I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. I happen to know that many others planted seeds and watered before I came along. And in my way of thinking, everybody who financially contributed to that crusade, they had a role to play in that person getting saved. It's a team effort. It's not a one-man show. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. Okay, now. Next, Christ takes on the subject of Christ being our foundation. Paul goes on to say, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. Now, this is a very important point. Now, I don't know a lot about construction. I know a little bit about construction. I've actually worked on construction job sites before. So I have at least a limited knowledge of the construction industry. But my knowledge would be very limited. But I do know that before you can build a building, you've got to clear the land. And then after you clear the land, you've got to build a foundation. And that has to be done before anything else could be done. He says, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. Now, Paul recognized, perhaps even then, that in the construction industry, there's a lot of divisions of labor. For example, you might have one construction contractor who specializes in building foundations. Another one comes along, and they begin building upon it. But each one must be careful how he builds. No one can lay a foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, even though you have many contractors working on the same construction site, they can't all say, we're gonna, we're, we're, we've decided to build our own foundation. No, the one who built the foundation, the original foundation, that is the foundation that everybody must work on. 
and in this case our foundation as he says is Jesus Christ if anyone builds on this foundation using gold silver precious stones wood hay or straw his workmanship will be evident because the day will bring it to light it will be revealed with fire and the fire will prove the quality of each man's work but if what he has built survives it will receive a reward or he will receive a reward if it is burned up he will suffer loss he himself he himself will be saved but only as through the flames so Paul is referring here to a future judgment which by the way is yet to come and at this future judgment our work our labor will be judged and we will have to give an account for that which we have done in the Lord I've said this many times I suppose I'll say it many times to come in heaven I will have to give an account of every single sermon I have ever preached I will have to give an account of every single sermon that I have ever preached I'll have to do that that's what the Bible tells me I'll have to give an account of every episode of Sunshine USA I've ever produced anybody that I've ever witnessed to or failed to witness to at the judgment I'll have to give an account for that that day is coming but we can know that if what we've done has been done the way God wanted it to be done then we will come out fine we will do okay right we will do okay but if not then the Bible says we ourselves will be saved but only as through the flames now the judgment Paul is referring to here is the judgment in heaven where we will be judged according to our works now we don't have to worry about salvation that was settled at the cross so at that point we know we're going to be saved we know that heaven is going to be our home but here it is our works our stewardship that will be judged and some of us are going to be feeling mighty guilty at all the different opportunities we had to do something for God and then didn't amen it's going to be sad God is going to be so sad to see all the different times that we had the ability to do something for him and we failed to do it I think it's going to be so sad and then there's going to be 
times where maybe we did the right thing, but for the wrong reason. We're going to have to give an account for that. Once again, we don't have to worry about whether or not we're saved. We're saved, but only as though by far. Next, Paul talks about God's temple and God's wisdom. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If any of you thinks he is wise in this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Now let's stop there for a moment. Paul talks about the fact that our body is the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Now I think because of that we owe it to God to take care of our bodies, to be good to our bodies. Now I have to admit I fall woefully short in this area. For example, I know that I love to eat a lot of foods that are not especially good for me. A lot of the health problems that I've had in recent years are nobody's fault but my own because I have not always eaten the way that I should. Now I'm trying to make up for it now. I'm trying to do a better job now of doing what I should have done all along. But having said that, I do acknowledge the fact that I need to do a better job living for the Lord and taking care of the body that the good Lord up above has given me. He also talks about the wisdom of this world as foolishness in God's sight. And yet the unfortunate thing is that so many churches today are trying to look as much like the world as they possibly can. Now, some of our modern worship methods, I, I'm not really very fond of it. And frankly, I don't think God is either. When you look at a worship service, and it looks more like a disco club than a worship service, I, I think God has a problem with that. Because what God sees is a church that's trying to be so much like the world as it possibly can. And that's not pleasing in the eyes of God. We have to understand when it comes to music, there is something uniquely different about Christian music. Christian music and secular music are not one and the same. Let me say that again. Christian music and secular music are not one and the same. Christian music honors God. It's all about God. You see, secular music wants to appeal to the flesh. When worldly 
women get on stage and they sing, they want to bounce their bodies around so that men will be attracted to their bodies. We don't need that in the church, ladies and gentlemen. We need a worship service that looks like a worship service. People don't need to look at a worship service and say, well, is this a rock concert? Is this a disco concert? Is this, what is it? People ought to be able to listen to Christian music and tell right away up front that they're listening to Christian music. Amen. Now, do understand, I, I like all kinds of Christian music. But the emphasis is on the fact I like Christian music. Another thing that I hate to see is secular music in the church. I do not believe that secular music has any place in the church whatsoever. Now, I notice if I were listening in people's homes where they're listening to this podcast right now, I'd probably hear a lot of silence. Amen? Because a lot of you are saying, wow, <laughs> did Warren really say that? Yep, I really said that. Paul goes on to say, as it is written... He catches the wise in their craftiness. And the Lord, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are foolish, or futile, I should say. You see, he catches the wise in their craftiness. I remember commenting to one pastor about the church service, and I I told him, I said, frankly, you know, you look at your worship service, and until you get up to preach, nobody has any idea whether they're at a rock concert or a church service. I have a problem with that. And, and then, of course, he said, well, preacher, you don't understand. We're trying to reach a certain class of people. Well, first of all, <laughs> there's no evidence in the Word of God that music was ever used as a tool of evangelism. The purpose of music in the church is not evangelism. The purpose of music in the church is the worship and praise of God, period. Therefore, Paul says, stop boasting in men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, now, by the way, Cephas was just a, another name for the word Peter. Or the world, or the life, or death, or the present, or the future, all of them belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. And that brings us to the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. What Paul is trying to get these believers at Corinth to do is to quit boasting about who they are aligned with. Some say, well, you know, Peter, Cephas, he's my man. Boy, I like the way he preaches. Or they say, I like the way Apollos preaches. Boy, he's good. 
And, and, you know, some of the Bible scholars indicated that Apollos was actually a very gifted orator. Apollos was one of those guys, he could come to town and boy, I tell you, he could be exciting and entertaining to listen to. He was one of those preachers you not only came to hear him preach, you came to watch him preach. He put on quite a show. And then, of course, you had Paul. But Paul said, hey, me and Apollos and Cephas or Peter, it's not about us, it's about Christ. Because you see, we all belong to God. That's the important thing right there. Now for next time, I want you to go ahead and read in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now obviously that's probably more than we'll be able to cover in um, the next broadcast, but I want you to read ahead. It's always better to stay ahead than get behind. And you're probably going to get behind unless you make a special attempt to read ahead. Now, we're going to do something very interesting on the program tonight. We're going to um, have some fun here. And uh, we're going to listen to... Uh, some of the uh, comments that have been sent in from our listeners. I think you're going to find this to be very interesting. Other people are going to be asking questions about different parts of the Bible, and some are even going to be sharing prayer requests. And as I've told you before, there's two emails that you can write to to get this done. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com and if you do that I'll be glad to tackle any prayer requests or Bible study questions that you have. But on the program this evening we're going to take out a few minutes and take a look at some of the listeners who have wrote questions to us. Um, here we have somebody wanting to know what kind of church or denomination I'm affiliated with. Well I don't mind telling you I'm affiliated with uh, Southern Baptist. Uh, I have, in effect, been born and raised Southern Baptist. I'm very proud to be a Southern Baptist. I think that we Baptists, for the most part, interpret the Bible more closely than a lot of the other denominations. However, I do not believe, by any means, that we Baptists have any kind of a monopoly on heaven. I believe that in heaven there will be Christians present from many different churches and denominations, and not just Baptists. In fact, I think heaven would probably be a pretty boring place if all we had up there was Baptist. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, yes, I am Southern Baptist. I received uh, my education from William Carey College, which it was known of back then. Now it's known as William Carey University in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's why I used Hattiesburg, Mississippi in my 
sermon illustration a while ago because I've spent some time in Hattiesburg. And then I've also gotten some education from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And I, I spent a couple of tours of duty there in New Orleans, first as a seminary student, and then I went back to New Orleans a second time to do Christian radio. And so New Orleans is another one of those cities that I happen to be very familiar with. But both William Carey and New Orleans Seminary are both Southern Baptist schools. And so that lets you know that I have a very proud Southern Baptist heritage. But, of course, as I've said many times, church membership, denominational affiliation, it will not save you. What you have to have going for you to be saved is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have many believers that have met that criteria who belong to a number of different churches and denominations. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, now here's a, a listener wanting to know simply uh, where did Sunshine USA begin? They say, for example, have you always done Sunshine USA from Greenville, South Carolina, or was there a time where you did Sunshine USA from another city? Well, actually, we started Sunshine USA in Brandon, Mississippi. At least that's where I started Sunshine USA, in Brandon, Mississippi, where I was living at the time. Now, in 2013, we moved back to Greenville, South Carolina. At least I moved back to Greenville, South Carolina, a town where I was born and raised. And I've been back in Greenville, South Carolina ever since then. In fact, I have lived a lot more in Greenville, South Carolina than any other place, and ever since 2013, we have done Sunshine USA from Greenville, South Carolina. But during that first year on the air, we actually broadcast from Brandon, Mississippi. And so there you have a very brief history of the radio internet ministry known as Sunshine USA. <clears throat> now, you know, the interesting thing is that back then, we were podcasting before podcasting was cool. Now it seems like everybody is into podcasting. In fact, some very well-known American celebrities, they're into podcasting. But back in 2012, when I started Sunshine USA, only a select few were doing it. Amen? Amen. And now everybody's doing it. Everybody's getting in on it. And I, I think that's a great thing. Now, uh, there are some podcasts out there that are pretty sorry. I mean, there's a lot of secular, sinful podcasts out there. And then there's also Christian ministers like myself that are trying to do good podcasting and make good use of podcasting. I have found that the internet is a great way to preach and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So there you have it. Now, uh, let me say this. 
I want you to know that you need to pray for Sunshine USA. That God will give us the ability to not only keep going, but even to expand. <laughs> and when I look at some of the things that we're facing in the future, I don't want to comment on that right now, but some of the things I'm facing in the future, I wonder if it'll even be possible to continue Sunshine USA, let alone oversee its growth and development. But then I realized what I was talking about on the program this evening. One of the things I emphasized on the program this evening is the fact that for us as Christians, it's not about us. It's about God. It's not about us. It's about God. This is not my ministry. This is God's ministry. And therefore, when I talk about this ministry expanding in some way, it's not me that's going to be expanding, it is God. And of course, the older I get, the more I think too about who will lead this ministry after I'm no longer on the scene. I think about things like that. But just keep this ministry in prayer that we will continue being the ministry that God wants us to be. Here we have another listener wants to know, do I receive a salary for doing Sunshine USA? The answer to that question is no. <clears throat> Absolutely not. I do this for only one reason. And that is because of the fact that I love the Lord and I want to be used of the Lord to reach as many people as I can with the life-saving, life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. <laughs> I want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to keep, teach uh, Christian people the Bible. When I started this ministry back in Sunshine, USA, I was appalled at how little many people knew about the Bible. You see, the problem we have in America today is, and I'm sure a similar problem exists in other countries, we have churches today that are trying to entertain the people. They're trying to put on a show, but they're not doing a very good job of teaching the Word of God. They're not doing a very good job of teaching the Word of God. And so, consequently, they have ended up with all kinds of church members who know very little about the Word of God, unfortunately. Now, um, another person here wants to know what church I go to. Well, I go to the San Susie Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Great church. They love the Lord. Lenny Miller is the great pastor of that church. He's doing a, a great job teaching the Word of God there. And it's a growing church. It's a church where the people are growing and expanding. 
in their knowledge of the Word of God, and the people are growing in numbers. It's a bigger church in terms of numbers than it was four or five years ago when Lenny Miller came there as pastor. Uh, it is basically a replanted church. A replanted church. Now, by the way, you can send me an email and ask me for some information about replanting churches, and I'll be glad to send you that information. And, and some of that information may very well come from Lenny Miller himself, who I consider to be something of an expert when it comes to replanting churches. So there you have it. Uh, here we have a listener who wants to know what kind of Christian music do I like to listen to. Well, as I indicated on the program a while ago, uh, obviously, I like good old-fashioned hymns. I like Southern Gospel. And in spite of what I said about the worship services, I do like contemporary Christian music. But I think we have to start being more careful about what kind of music we're doing in the church service. We don't want to entertain the people. We don't want to highlight the flesh. We want to lift up the name of God. That's what we need to do. But other than that, I can truthfully say I like all kinds of Christian music. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I thank God for that. And in fact, really in terms of music, we as Christians today, we as church members today, have more music to look forward to than ever before. I mean, I hate to tell you, when I grew up, all we had was a hymn book. And, of course, we had some Southern Gospel. That was it. Today, of course, we have a pretty large uh, variety of, of uh, Christian music out there, and I thank God for that. Here we have another listener who wants to know if I know of some great uh, Christian stations in America. They tell me they are a truck driver and they want to know something about where some of the great Christian radio stations are. Well, here in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, there's a couple of stations I would tell you about. One is WLFJ, his radio, located at 89.3 on the FM dial. And that's a contemporary Christian music station. We also have at 91.5 on the FM dial, we have WTBI FM radio. That is a Southern Gospel radio station, and they have a lot of Bible teaching ministries on that station as well. Now, if you go out west, you have in San Antonio, Texas, KDRY. KDRY, that's an all-teaching radio station. They carry all kinds of exciting Bible teachers on that station. They're very proud of it. They've been doing it, they say, for a long time. And they are very proud of their heritage as a Christian station. If you uh, live in um, Louisiana, um, they have uh, K-A-J-N. That's uh, another contemporary Christian music station. Also, they carry some 
Bible teaching on that station that's located in Crawley, Crawley, Louisiana. And across America, they have different stations that are affiliated either with Moody or the American Family Network. These are other type uh, Christian stations you'll find on the air. And then there's K-Love. Uh, K-Love has quite a few uh, radio stations on the air. You'll find them in cities like Columbia, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. So that's just to name a few. And maybe on some future program, I'll put together a more complete listing of different Christian radio stations that you can choose from all across America. <laughs> so uh, there you have it. Here we have an interesting question. We have a listener that wants to know, did Paul write Hebrews? Well, you know, I think I could probably lecture for an hour or longer on that particular subject. I do know that there is a diversity of opinion on that subject. I personally think Paul did write Hebrews. I know that there are other Bible scholars out there that believe he did not write Hebrews. But I think the evidence that he wrote Hebrews is far greater than the evidence that he did not write Hebrews. Now, if you believe, as I do, that Paul wrote Hebrews then that means that Paul wrote a grand total of 14 books in the New Testament. If you believe that he did not write Hebrews, then you believe that he wrote 13 books. Either way, Paul is a major New Testament writer, but yes, I, I believe he wrote Hebrews. Now, for one thing, if you look at the last part of the last chapter in Hebrews, it reads a lot like all the other... Um, uh, epistles that Paul wrote. I mean, here Paul is mentioning personal friends that have helped him in the ministry. And so this tells me one of two things. Either Paul wrote Hebrews or someone very close to Paul had to write Hebrews. So there you have it. And like I say, I mean, there's a lot of in-depth in stuff that I'm leaving out at this time because I'm just trying to answer letters at this point in the broadcast. I'm not trying to deliver major dissertations, but like I say, I could probably point to many reasons why um, we do not have Paul clearly identified as the writer in Hebrews, but nonetheless, I believe he wrote Hebrews. Now, here's a closely related question. Somebody wants to know if Paul was ever married. Was Paul ever married? I, I could ask you that question. Do you think Paul was ever married? Well, I don't know. But I will say this. I think there's probably pretty good evidence that he was not married. For one thing, I can't imagine that Paul would preach for as long as he did without making at least some reference to his wife. Now, of course, I realize there are other Bible scholars out there who take the position that Paul did not, I mean, that Paul was married. And the reason they say that is because they knew that Paul had a seat on the Sanhedrin.
And at one time, the Sanhedrin had a requirement that the people that sat on the Sanhedrin had to be married. But you have to understand that by the time Paul was on the Sanhedrin, uh, the Sanhedrin had undergone a lot of changes. And the feeling is or was that they did not enforce at that time they did not enforce um, the marriage requirement the way they had earlier and so that explains how Paul very possibly could have been on the Sanhedrin without having been married because like I say I can't imagine Paul having been in the ministry as long as he was and not use his wife at least some as an example in his preaching. I mean, let's face it, most preachers that are married, they will at least occasionally use Paul as an example. I mean, their wife as an example in their preaching. Paul never does that. And I think the reason Paul never does that is because of the fact that he didn't have a wife. In fact, on one occasion, Paul says, I wish that all men could be as I am. And at that time, he was single. Now, the question is, was he single having always been single, or was he single then? We just do not know. We don't know. It's one of those questions the, the Word of God, the Bible, doesn't answer for us. But I do believe that in all probability, yes, Paul was not a married man. <laughs> but if Paul introduces his wife to me in heaven, I'll say, praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> of course, he might say, well, the reason I didn't say anything about her because she threatened to kill me if I did. Well, that'd be a pretty good reason. Amen, amen. So there you have it. Now, by the way, something like that, was Paul married, was he not married? Did he write Hebrews? Did he not write Hebrews? Uh, to me, in my opinion, these are relatively minor issues. These are relatively minor issues. I don't think they amount to a hill of beans by and large. But I do think that um, they are interesting things for us to take a look at. Well, I, I think we have pretty well come to the end of another program. Um, usually God has a way of letting me know when we have run the program long enough for this particular edition. And then next time I'll be back with another full-length broadcast for you. And like I say, next time we'll start again with 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. But I'm hoping that you'll go ahead and read ahead chapters 4 and 5 in 1 Corinthians. Until then, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye, God bless you, and guess what, folks? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.